welcome to a new episode of Time to Shine. This is your host, Oscar Santolaya. Time to Shine presents you interviews with successful public speakers who share their experience and secrets with you in a weekly podcast. Hello, everybody. Today we have an interview with a special guest in Poznan, Poland. We will talk about self-confidence from a very interesting, unique perspective. Our guest today is Jerzy Zienkowski. Jerzy, how are you? Thanks. I'm fine. Great. Jerzy Zienkowski is a public speaker and coach. He is founder and owner of speakerslayer.pl, a coaching company who organizes workshops, coaching sessions, and helps clients with business presentations. He has nearly 20 years of experience in the IT field, working for small and big companies. George currently has more than 100 speaking engagement per year and has been, for instance, TEDx speaker. He's also a Toastmaster who, among many of the other achievements, he co-founded the English-speaking club Verbal Victory in Poznan. What a victorious name for a, for a club. Thank you. Could you tell us more about yourself and your projects? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, I'm an IT guy. That's basically a perfect place to start public speaking career. Because, well, you don't know anything. You don't know how to speak. And this was my situation for more than 17 years. I started as a programmer and uh, ended up as a manager for entire Poland, IT manager, of course. And sometime around 2008, I had to do a presentation and I failed. So you can imagine me standing in front of people and not being able to speak or actually being able to speak, but uh, not being efficient, not being successful. This changed my life. Uh, right now, I'm talking all over Poland. I hate it. You have to understand, I hate public speaking. I, I'm afraid, I'm scared, um, but I know what to do and how to do it. And uh, this is the most brilliant feeling when you finish your speech. And this gives me satisfaction. And you look into people's eyes and you see understanding and you see the change. That's what drives me. Awesome. But when officially your career as public speaking start, when was that? Uh, we can think about a couple of dates. Firstly, in 2008, I went on stage for the very first time as a professional uh, and, and I failed. I joined Toastmasters in 2010. For most of us, no, joining Toastmasters is a breakthrough. And in 2012, uh, my company and I, we decided to split ways. And I had a choice either to stay in IT or, well, and I choose to not to stay with IT. I choose to start my, mm, my company and I started to speak. Somewhere around 2000 and somebody paid me for a speaking gig and this was a breakthrough as well. So you can say, depending on how you look at it, that I started to speak in 2008 uh, but my career started for, for sure in 2012, two years ago. Good, you have two, uh, two starting points. <laughs> Great. Mm -hmm. 
I can I can now jump to one of the questions I usually raise to the to the to the guests. It's about stage fright. What would be your your stage fright moment? One that you really remember? Well, I basically remember every every moment that I walk on stage, and uh, I'm nervous and I'm shaking and I have too much energy and I talk to people and I hug people and I keep joking and these jokes are really bad. I tell you. <laughs> I remember Berlin as the milestone of my stage fright and the vision level humorous speeches contest. When I went on stage, 300 people looking at me and first couple of sentences, like first 20 seconds were great. I was brilliant. I was awesome. And then I blacked out. And I was standing there in the middle of a stage. And I was thinking to myself, I'm sorry, I cannot bleep this way, but, but you understand, how does it feel? And I thought to myself, oh boy, oh boy, I, I, I better make sure this never happens because this feels bad. And a couple of years later, this feeling didn't go away. It's still with me. I just learned to ignore it or actually... Uh, to perform next to this feeling. Okay, okay. Another question is about uh, startings. Because every every guest speech starts with a strong opener. Could you rewind back to the past and share with us an opener that you remember as the best in your life? Hi, I'm an IT guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're standing in front of 1,500 people and uh, they look at you and they expect you to be a professional speaker going on stage and telling them, Hi, I'm IT professional. I'm a programmer. Makes sense, right? Yeah. So I started with, Hi, I'm an IT guy. Yeah, and there was a silence. <laughs> and I look at them and I say, You know, being a professional speaker when you were IT guy makes sense, right? Don't expect many of my jokes hit or be good or be understandable. And they started laughing and, uh, and it was a great connection. And I explained how I got on stage and they felt, and they told me afterwards, they felt that uh, if I can do it, if I can go from being an IT guy to being professional speaker, they can do it as well. So this opener was pretty strong. It's yeah, pretty um, good. The, the other one I go is, with is uh, is this, but you have to bear with me for a moment. I start with, hi, my name is George Jankowski. I'm vice president of Professional Speakers Association. I'm a finalist of European level uh, humorous speeches contest. I teach people from Berlin to Sevastopol, from Gdańsk to Vienna. I work with many high level CTOs, CPOs, CEOs and other presidents of companies. And here I pause and I step out of this place on the stage and I point to the, uh, to the place where I stood a moment ago and I said, what do you think about this guy? <laughs> and people who are, you know, offended by how I started, because they are, they go like, oh, this was okay. And I don't know if I can say it or on air, but uh, when I ask them, how do you feel about this guy? The asshole comes very early. Mm 
and then they go like, oh, this was bad. We don't like it. And you have connection and you have, you talk to them. And by the way, you were introduced. <laughs> it is one of the ways how not to start. <laughs> uh, well, actually, if, if you can turn it around, then it's a good way to start. But you, but you need to do it properly. Mm. And it works. It's fun. Yes, yes. Okay, good, good, good examples. Two good examples. Thank you. How stage fright and self-confidence are connected? Uh, but, but you are aware that I don't care about self-confidence. <laughs> we talked about it earlier. This is a brilliant question. How stage fright and self-confidence are connected? Well, I always have a stage fright and I don't have self-confidence. I'm not confident at all. When, when, it, when we talk about me, when I go on stage, I'm a professional because I know I can perform. I know I can talk to people and I'm, I know I'm efficient. And if you do that, uh, if you know how to talk, if you know that you perform well, you don't need to be self-confident. That's my opinion, of course, but it works for me. When I go off the stage, I, I'm still not confident that I was good, but I'm pretty much confident uh, that I performed well. So uh, for me, stage fright uh, takes away a lot from self-confidence. But the point is, I don't care. Yeah, very, very interesting point. And in general, do we need self-confidence on stage? That's that's brilliant question. I love it. I love it to be here. My opinion, no. We don't need it. It helps a lot when you are starting. It helps a lot when you are performing on a world-class level. Uh, just like with sports, when you're starting your career and you're self-confident, you do the things that you you cannot do otherwise and when you are competing i don't know um on a world class level olympics or something you need it to gain advantage those splits of a second the additional little points but in the middle of a pack in the middle of your career um self confidence doesn't help much in my opinion because self confidence is uh, believing in yourself and it doesn't connect to your actual skills so you can think you are better than you are actually than you actually are um, and that might take away from your performance I would rather say we need a confidence in skills confidence in connection confidence in what's our in our hearts in our beliefs rather than self-confidence so my answer is no we don't need it yeah, that's a good point because as you remarked, most of us, most of the people that are listening to this show are say, normal people, not maybe the, the top best in the world. But we need to, to speak in public, to have um, communicate with people. And what you say, you know, just confidence on your own skill is, is enough. That I, I absolutely agree with that. And how do we build this gap that people usually think as lack of self-confidence what can we do there oscar that's another brilliant question as a follow-up to the previous question um how do we build the confidence how do we fill up this gap between we can do it and we are not pretty much sure if we can do it well i say measure what you do 
when you are going on stage and Toastmasters is one of a whole place for people who want to practice public speaking, when you are going on stage and you are talking to people, these people in front of you are your measurement tool to how you perform, how good you are, how good are your skills. And proper questions, was I understandable? Was it, uh, you know, in Toastmasters, we usually ask, was it good? And hmm. what can I improve? I love Florian, uh, Florian Merck plus and plus plus method. Uh, this is this is brilliant. What's good in your speech and what can you improve? This is this is awesome. But uh, and you can think about better questions. For example, you go on stage with project number two, and additional question you ask when people are giving you written feedback is, "What didn't you understand in my speech?" So you precisely know that there are some things, some bits, some words, some sentences or ideas in your speech that people don't understand. And if you have 100 people in, uh, in the audience and 80 of them understand everything, well, you're good. You prepare presentations that are understandable. And that's how you build, that's, that's how you fill this gap, that's how you build not the confidence, but knowledge on how good you are. So just to be, un be understood by the others. Is, um... that, that's, that's just an example. Mm -hmm. We can say the same about emotions, we can mm -hmm. say the same about uniqueness, stories, uh, reactions, sure. answer to questions, everything can be measured. Of course, to the uh, better or worse, but, but yeah. Okay, good. Now coming back to your origin as IT guy, how these origins of IT guy have influenced your views on how to communicate? Oh, that's so easy. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm, I'm so sorry you cannot see me because I usually uh, show a lot here with my hands. Uh, when you're a programmer and you're solving a problem, you do a very simple four steps. And describe a problem, create a solution, describe the solution, the algorithm, with words in some language. Do you know any, any programming language, Oscar? I used to know, yes. Give me an example. C. Okay, C, C++, C hash, whatever, uh, JavaScript, etc., etc. And then you give this program to a computer. And it solves the problem, or it doesn't, or it has bugs, so you need to take a step or two back and redefine the solution or rewrite the program. That's how programmers work. And the same way communication works. You have a problem, you describe a solution, an algorithm, you create it, then you describe it in any given language. Do you know any language, Oscar? Of course you do, like English. Yeah, English, Spanish. <laughs> oh, you know Spanish. That's, yes. that's cool. I would love to know Spanish. It would solve my problems faster, I think. And then you give this language description of a solution of your problem to a brain, your brain or someone's brain. And it either solves the problem or it doesn't, or it has bugs and you need to take a step back or two steps back and redescribe uh, the, the algorithm or rewrite the, the program. And uh, I look at communication this way. It simplifies life. It doesn't make my life uh, 
easier. It's still hard. You still have to work a lot, but it's simple. So my origins as an IT guy, yeah, they influenced uh, my view on of how to communicate a lot. So you use a lot the problem solving part of the of the IT of the program. I loved it because when you think about it, you you look at me and you think, oh, this guy is emotionless. Oh, this guy doesn't have empathy, and that's true. But the analytical part of me doesn't allow me to skip emotions or connections or empathy in communication. I have to include this as a part of a solution of whatever problem we talk about. So that, that works wonders. Okay, great. George, could you share with us your favorite quotation? Oh, but by JFK. The only reason to give a speech is to change the world. Awesome. And it's 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 so powerful because I have uh, my, my uh, workshops and I have my speeches and I have very powerful business people or very experienced sales guys looking at me and saying, George, seriously, I'm going to a customer to sell him a pen or sell him IT solution or sell him uh, paintings or something. And when I talk to them, I need to think, hey, I have to change the world. And I go, yeah. Yeah, otherwise, why do you bother at all? And and in time, they start to understand and they, they start to approach differently the way they speak to people. They think more, they listen more before they speak. And that's that's amazing. Yeah, I agree with that. To have that as a purpose. Mm -hmm. George, could you recommend us one book that has inspired you and uh, you could uh, tell to our listeners to read it? Yes, my book. <laughs> But seriously, uh, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. I mean, I do it. And I think to myself, uh, a lot of my skills came from Toastmasters and came from practice. Reading these books helped me a lot. But if I have to recommend anything, get yourself Darren LaCroix uh, audiobooks and listen to them. Those are basics and uh, advanced. This is basic and advanced stuff for, for professional speakers and for wannabe speakers. But this is good. If I have to recommend something, this would be this. Darren LaCroix. Darren LaCroix, yeah, and mm -hmm. his audiobooks. He's a great guy. Great. Now it's, it's almost the end of the interview and I would like you to come up with a routine to shine. Share with us an exercise, something practical that you recommended to us to do it daily or weekly as a routine to shine. Oh, here is what I do. I take my PowerPoints because I, I use them sometimes and I review them. And when I create PowerPoints, Uh, I have this piece of paper hanging above my uh, computer the desk and it says 3711. Just three numbers. 3711. And I make sure, uh, I, I, I'm seriously doing it. It's not daily, it's weekly rather, uh, but I'm seriously doing it, looking at my slides and thinking, okay, is this slide understandable? The idea of the slide understandable? in three seconds. 
Then I look at a text at the slide and I think to myself, looking at these numbers, is the slide readable? Can I read everything on the slide in seven seconds? And then I move away from my computer and uh, I check whether my slides are readable from 11 meters. So it's three, seven, eleven. Three seconds to understand the slide, seven seconds to read everything in slide, and 11 meters to be able to read the slide. Of course, this 11 meters works during conferences, and if you have a, um, a laptop, you, you, don't, you don't often read it from 11 meters, <laughs> but you get the idea. I'm making sure that these slides are purposeful and uh, helpful for my audience, rather, then following some rules that tell you you need to have five bullet points, four words each, or something like that. So I have, I have this piece of paper, and I review my slides, and when I create these slides, I'm taking a look at this piece of paper that is very, very helpful in understanding what my audience needs, rather than what should be on my slide. Yeah, absolutely great piece of advice, because you see from the audience point of view. Yes, sir, exactly. Great. George, has been a great interview. You had a lot of mind-blowing answers, I would say. <laughs> and Thank you very much. <laughs> and I would like to, to finalize the interview to tell our listeners how they can contact you or follow you. Could you tell us, please? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash speakerslayer. Uh, I hope you will be able to write down the name of my company, of course, somewhere next to uh, the interview on the web page. And uh, the speakerslayer.pl is my website where you can find the, uh, the contact info. I'm also on Facebook, I'm on Twitter. And if you, oh, can you spell my name again for every listener? I will, it's got to be in the... <laughs> I'm sorry, I always have a lot of fun when people are trying to say Jerzy Jentkowski. But I will send you, um, I send you my name in writing and if you type it into Google, you will see my pages and you will see my Facebook fan pages and whatnot and all the contact informations. Is it okay? Absolutely, no problem. I will tell you, the listeners, that all this information is going to be in the show notes on the for this interview. So just go to a website. Brilliant. And it's going to be everything there, all the information that George has been shared with us. So George, thank you very much and say my greetings to everybody in Poland. Hope to visit you soon again. And it's been a pleasure, Oscar. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody. Dear listeners of Time to Shine, this is the end of today's episode. If you like our show, Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or for more information, visit our website www.timetoshinepodcast.com. Welcome to listen to us again next week.